With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Well, you know what I'm thankful for today? I'm thankful for a Rockets win. Yes, everyone, the streak is over 15 losses down. But tonight, not so much. The Rockets pull out a big Chicago Bulls final score, 118-113. And for cause of this celebration, I think we need a full house tonight. I don't need just one co-pilot. With Michael Brown, I need the full house. I'm bringing up Ray Lucas here. But Mike, already up here. What's going on, brother? Congrats. We won, bro. We won. Yeah, tonight was fun, man. That was a fun game. What a win. What a win, yes. And especially, it's not just an ordinary win, you know. The Bulls are a really good team. Yeah. And the Rockets were able to pull out a win like that. Ray, 15 losses, but not tonight. Uh, it's been a while. And you know what? I think, I think we manifested this as we all, you know, came together earlier today. We said, you know, we hopped it on the pod tonight. We all said yes. And they pulled out a win. Maybe we are what Rockets, what the Rockets need in order to win. Yeah. Honestly, if we might all come in here, they might really be a championship contending team because this is the effort 
that we get when we're all on the same podcast. And this was like, we haven't all been on in a while. So it's not like, you know, it's a coincidence type of thing. This is like purely factual. Like we see it in the flesh right now. They just won and we're all here. So it's a beautiful thing. Facts are being spoken and let's, let's get right to the chase. You know, another fact about tonight's game is the Rockets don't win this game without Daniel House and, and he wouldn't have entered the game had Jalen Green not gone down. You know, it's crazy that Jalen Green got injured in this game because that's like, you would think that that would be like the main storyline that we talk about tonight. Um, had they lost, but they win tonight and Daniel House was a huge part of that. Mike, uh, do we owe Daniel House an apology? No, <laughs> I mean, I mean, he's, I mean, he's been absolute, he's been absolute garbage, you know, up until this point, I will say this though. I mean, he played so well tonight and I'm happy for him, you know, like we don't owe him an apology. He's been, he's been I mean, just hot dog water over the past, you know, a couple of weeks, but yes. I'm happy but for Ray, him. Ray, what changed tonight? Why was Daniel house so good tonight? compared to his previous nights. I want to say they put up a graphic during the game. He had like 10 points in his last like five games or like eight points in his last five games combined. He drops 18 tonight in 17 minutes of action. Like what about Daniel House tonight uh, allowed him to play out of his mind? Honestly, I think it was just how spaced out the floor was and how calm the offense was because there wasn't it never really felt cluttered, so it never felt like he had to get the ball and go make a play by himself because he's been doing that recently and not many plays. Oh, my thing muted me for some reason. But he's been doing that recently, and he's been trying to make plays, but unfortunately many of those plays have not been made. But I think tonight he was able to just be a guy that can catch and shoot, play defense, and maybe we don't owe him an apology, but maybe we should look a little harder and say, okay, maybe – a lot of it was a product of asking him to do something that he just wasn't going to be able to do. But I think tonight reflected what he should be doing moving forward. Cause all he was really was all he was doing was really catching and shooting. So yeah, I think maybe we just need to look at how they're using him. And if this continues, cause him and Singun and when Armani Brooks is on the floor, it's just so spaced out and it looks so nice. Yeah. I think, I think a big part of that tonight, um, I think I agree with you is, is the, the way the floor was faced tonight, you know, they, they, uh, Silas made a change, did not play Daniels Heist tonight. And I do think that that helped the spacing of the, of the offense tonight. And it's, it's unfortunate because I, I think Daniel Tice is a really nice guy. And I don't necessarily think that he is the reason why the Rockets have been losing so much, but I do think that the lineups tonight and the rotations tonight looked a little bit more smooth. And they looked just a little bit more fluid, even with Jalen Green coming out of the game out of the, after the first quarter, which, by the way, he had a great first quarter, 11 points in 11 minutes, four or five from the field. He looked like he was on his way to having a career night. But unfortunately, a uh, leg injury uh, cut his night short. Uh, and hopefully we'll hear good news after tonight. I don't I don't know how I don't want to make any predictions about this injury yet, but Hopefully it won't keep him out for too long, but I mean, let's talk about that first quarter from Jalen. I mean, Mike, like that was insane. Like what we saw from Jalen, exactly what we were thinking we were getting when drafted him number two. Yeah. I mean, he played well, you know, his confidence is starting to grow. And I think tonight speaking about the, the rotations, you know, it was just tightened up tonight. You know, guys, it seemed like knew when they were going to be coming in, 
They knew what type of minutes they were going to be getting. And that's so key just overall touching on what Ray was talking about. But dude, Jalen's special. Like Jalen's a special type of talent and fans today. And I don't blame fans for feeling this way, but they want what they want when they want it, how they want it. And we all want Jalen green to be a superstar from day one. It's going to take him some time. And tonight he played like a superstar in that first quarter. He was destined for a great night. Unfortunately, the injury cut his night short, but it did allow for other guys to step up and get a massive win for this team. With everything that went on today in the news for the Rockets, uh, which I'm sure we'll get to in a little bit, this is a big win, not only for their confidence, but for their confidence going forward. Yeah, what, what do you think, Ray? Anything, anything to add on, on Jalen's night tonight? Yeah, so I think Jalen Green was really interesting because tonight was one of the first nights where I felt like he was truly comfortable at this level playing with his weight because there's been other games when he's been effective and he's played really well, but he just looks like he'll go to the hoop and he'll look a little bit uncomfortable or he'll get moved off his spot super easy. And it feels like he's starting to adjust to the the physicality that comes with playing in the league and just how comfortable he is with scoring the ball. It looked a lot better. I think there was a move against Caruso down on the right side of the floor where he did a step back move. And it felt like that was what was advertised when they drafted him. And that's what, what indicated that he might've been off to a big night if he didn't get injured. So I was really impressed with him. It was really nice to see. It was especially nice to see him take one Alex Caruso on that move. I don't have any personal feelings towards the move per se, but anytime that Alex Caruso gets made to look like a fool, I'm here for. Mike, how many points did Alex Caruso have tonight? Uh, <laughs> I know what you're trying to do, Jeremy, and I really don't <laughs> want to end up on Reddit on Thanksgiving. Well, okay. Uh, wait, what did he have tonight? Oh my, oh my God. Points. That would have been so funny if he actually had 16 points because I would have busted. I would have busted it out. Uh, but the fact that you give up 15 points to Alex Caruso is still a, not acceptable. But uh, you know what? I think he's I a lot better. I think he's a lot better than he was in the bubble. I think there's a reason, and he and I think he actually fits really well on this Bulls team. I think, you know, I, like when I think of like what happened to the Bulls tonight, and I'm like, you know, I, I really can't like pinpoint like a a reason why. Maybe like DeRozan was kind of DeRozan could have played a little better. I mean, he had 17 points, but only six of 19 from the field. Like he didn't. He probably could have had a better night. That's probably what they were looking for. But Lonzo probably had a better than average night with 19 points. Lonzo looked like insane tonight. And I just think that this does so much for the Rockets moving forward. Not just the fact that they beat a team. They, they got to win. Like, like they've done that before this season. I mean, granted, it was over a month ago at this point, and It was to Oklahoma City. But they beat a team while trailing at the half. And they faced adversity down the stretch. And they want a tight game. And all of that combined does so much, I think, for this team's uh, for this team's morale and for this team's psyche. And just just getting that experience under them, because I think that there were some games during this stretch they could have won that they lost just, you know, just at the at the buzzer, like against Denver. Or they were, I think, like a bucket away from winning a game in L.A. So, like, they, they've had close games, but to finally get over the hump 
and to win a close game in the way that they did tonight, I think is very special for this team. And I think it's going to uh, go a long way with this group, especially with um, uh, with this favorable schedule that's coming up. I mean, you do have the Hornets on on Saturday, which should be another tough game. But, you know, I, th- I think the Bulls are better than the Hornets and or at least at even at an even level. And if you can get that win, then you get two against OKC, then you get Orlando, and then you get uh, New Orleans. So, like, you're kind of looking at things here. You could pick up a couple wins here, and that could really change uh, the mindset of this team and really get you some confidence going into December. But, yeah, I think – go ahead, I think um, tonight we've seen them take a team's best shot and really be able to just – Keep calm. I think it helps that they took that best shot as they were heading into half so that they can kind of regroup because I think a lot of times that it's came in the third quarter and they've looked really off. But this time it felt like they took that shot. They went into locker room at halftime and say, hey, if we clean certain things up, then this is a winnable game. And um, the third quarter, like I said, we've seen some third quarter collapses from them, but the third quarter was probably was definitely their best quarter, especially with the way they ended it. So I think it just shows a team that's growing in confidence, a team that's learning. Unfortunately, the learning comes through losses, but I mean, you'd rather learn through a loss than just take nothing from a loss. So if you're going to lose and learn something from it. And I think they've been doing that. And like you said, with the schedule coming up, I think there is a lot of room to apply those lessons. I think Charlotte is going to be an interesting game. They face a different ball brother who poses a different threat, a different type of obstacle, but I mean, if they can beat Chicago, I feel like they can beat Charlotte, and especially if they play like that. And then from that point on, you know, you have OKC a couple times and then Orlando, like you are saying. So, yeah, it's just it feels like it could be a point where they start to look like a team that we at least, if they were going to be rebuilding, at least for them to look like this. Yeah, they also had 21 turnovers tonight, and you were still able to beat a good Chicago team. I, I, I'm not a believer in Chicago. I think Chicago's a very good team. I don't think they're sniffing the conference finals. But it was good. I mean, it was a great win tonight. And I think you saw what happens when this offense runs through Christian Wood. The offense needs to run through Wood on a nightly basis. 14 shot attempts for him. He had another double-double. And it was it was a balanced effort tonight. I think that's the key, y'all. Yeah, I was going to say, like, yeah, running it through Wood, they definitely made that more of a priority in the first half. But you look at tonight – So they had eight guys in double figures. You have House with 18, Wood with 16, Kevin Porter had 14 points, nine assists, then 13 from Shangun off the bench, 12 from Garrison Matthews off the bench, you had 11 from Armani Brooks off the bench, and you had 11 from uh, Jalen Green as well, and then 10 from Eric Gordon, and then Jay Sean Tate added eight on his own. So nearly nine guys in double figures tonight, very balanced offense. And, and when you have a team that doesn't have a, a superstar like the Rockets do, you kind of have to play superstar by committee and, and you really have to have everyone step in. And, and I think maybe that is ultimately why the team was able to get the win tonight because they had so many, like nobody on this team, I think had a bad night. I, I really don't think any, you can really point to a guy on the Rockets and say, Oh, they played bad tonight. Like I, I don't, I don't have that for anyone. Maybe I could look at a guy like KJ Martin and say, okay, he's had better nights, but I don't think KJ Martin was bad tonight. No, I, can't, I can't say that for anybody. No, I, I agree. I mean, and I think, man, I, we said it a couple of games ago. 
Ray, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about this. I think they found something this Garrison Matthews kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, mean, Ray, I, want your take, I want your take on Garrison Matthews and, and how he was tonight and how he's been over the last three games. Because I think this is just his third or fourth game with the Rockets. So uh, what are your thoughts on Garrison Matthews and, and what he could be this season? So I think the biggest thing that I noticed, like, right off the jump was his defensive effort and his intensity and his willingness to go in and take charges because obviously he wants to get out there and he wants to shoot threes. But if you're going that extra mile and doing the little things, then it just helps your team so much. And I think with Matthews, when he's on the court with Armani Brooks, they that offense looks so much better because then all of a sudden you have two guys, both of them, if you watch them, they both run around the whole time. Like Armani Brooks, he plays on like 99 speed throughout the whole game. I don't think he ever fatigues. And so those two guys, they give him – a real perimeter threat. And I think it just makes them so much more smooth. But yeah, Garrison Matthews, that was big. That was a big way to end the night. Um, He's already having a good game, but then he hits the dagger. That's huge for him. And I think that's huge for his confidence moving forward because now it also helps the Rockets moving forward because now teams are going to start to scout for him when he's on the floor, which means they can't help off him. And if you notice Armani Brooks, they already don't help off him. And it just creates so much more driving lanes and, Overall, the offense just looks a lot better. So, yeah, I'm a big fan of Matthews, a big fan of Brooks, and I really think that they need to play many minutes, especially together, because it just makes everything so much easier for them. Yeah, because originally Mike and I, when we were talking about it, I think a week ago, we were kind of thinking, well, he's just a better version of Armani Brooks. And he, cause, cause he's like a three point guy and he's, and he's a plus defender, whereas Armani is kind of lacking in that department. But Armani Brooks has looked really solid the last two games. And maybe he listened to us, uh, maybe he listened to us a couple of weeks ago or like last week and, and was like, uh, okay, I got to step my, step my game up. And he's definitely stepped up the last two games, double digits on Monday in Boston, double digits tonight against Chicago. Uh, I think Armani Brooks and those guys just bring, Armani and Garrison Matthews both bring this energy that I think has been missing since, uh, you know, for a while. I think it's like the Rockets, it gives them some energy that they didn't have at the beginning of the season. And I think that those guys are necessary to kind of just bring those guys up because on the road, they don't get that energy. And at home, they struggle to get that energy because they don't have those, uh, you know, packed arenas. And I think getting those guys to help be that energy for you is is invaluable yeah he's a team that's what's go ahead go ahead mike no no all you brother wow so so here i know it's thanksgiving we're trying to (laughs) spread the love but yeah go ahead when you have those specialists it's like you said it's just energy like when those guys get hot it just changes the game it changes the demeanor of a team like um i think it was Armani, yeah, it was Armani that hit some down the stretch in the third quarter, and then all of a sudden the teams just they're blocking shots, they're running in transition, they're just looking like the best that we've seen them all year because that's the confidence that you have when someone on the floor is instant offense. Like they was like against Boston, uh, they were running Brooks off of a couple of screens from Singoon, and it was just it's that simple for them. And if he makes it, then it's great. And even if he misses, you're like, we'll live with that because that's who we want shooting the ball. So I think overall it just helps so much with, like you said, energy, because it's just a confidence. Like he's coming down and hitting threes and then you're like, okay, we just need to focus on getting a stop and then trying to find him again or finding something in transition. So 
yeah, he's been a great addition. I don't know what took him so long to start getting these minutes, but right now he's playing like he doesn't ever want to be on the bench for a full game again. Yeah, and I think it also speaks a lot to the fact that both of these guys, Brooks, and it goes beyond these two guys, this team is not selfish. Like they are, most of these guys, I would say are team first guys. I would say Christian Wood is out to get his, you know, I think Eric Gordon is the same way. You know, they're, they're out there trying to get their stats. They want to get their shots. They're interested in getting wins, but I don't think it's their number one priority. I think the number one priority for a guy like Brooks and a guy like Garrison Matthews is just getting minutes and getting to feel like they're a part of a team. You know, and, and these guys play that way. When they play the way that they play tonight, I mean, I, I can't tell you, I can't get enough of Garrison Matthews. You know, like just the way he attacks the game, the way that, you know, I hate to say this, but he is a lot like Alex Caruso. You know, um, you know, just the way he takes charges, the way he finds a way to hit big shots. It, it's very fun to watch, man. And especially on a night where they're able to get a win. Yeah, they did mirror each other a little bit tonight. Um, and luckily, you know, we got we got the guy that came in on top. Um, but I think, you know, now that we're kind of coming down a little bit off the high of the win, um, I do think it is important that we discuss the news that uh, went around Rockets Twitter Red Nation today. Um, Jake Fisher of the Bleacher Report wrote an article that kind of kind of opened things up for Steven Silas, maybe took the chair that he was under and lit a fire right under it, basically saying that the Rockets were considering their options with Steven Silas, weighing the future of Steven Silas. And I guess this was a little bit jarring because, I mean, if you think about it, um, Steven Silas also picked a good night uh, to coach a win, um, considering this article came out and all of his attention was kind of brought onto him and his head. But I mean, if you take away the wing and you wake up tomorrow, it's still a two and 16 basketball team, the worst in the NBA. So we can't just sit here and say that the Rockets, even though uh, they had a really nice win tonight are totally fixed. Um, there are still a lot of issues that need to be resolved. And Steven Silas as the head coach bears on a ton of this responsibility um, but Mike, we've, we've talked a lot about Steven Silas back and forth on this show, especially in the last several episodes, but what were your thoughts on the article and what do you think, like, how hot do you think his seat is on a scale of one to 10, one being cold and 10 being on fire in Dante's Inferno? Yeah. Um, on a scale of one to 10, I would say it's probably about a seven, seven to a seven to an eight. Uh, my initial thoughts are, and, and I'm not going to go full conspiracy theory, but I think the Rockets have a really nasty leak in their front office. And truthfully, I think it's, it's a scary thing because the Rockets, and this has happened on more than one occasion over the past couple of years, there's news that has leaked out that fans are like, whoa, like what is going on here? And in my opinion, I think it's one of Fertitta's kids. I think they overheard a conversation going on about potentially Tillman saying, you know what, uh, we're losing all these games. I really don't know if Steven is our guy going forward. And that snowballs into a report like this. And it's dangerous, man. And it's dangerous in the sense that 
he doesn't deserve this in my, in, in my honest assessment. Like he's been given a crap hand. He came in, he was supposed to be coaching a certain group of guys. He's no longer coaching those groups, that group of guys. He's doing his best. Do his rotations suck? Uh, yeah, I would tonight. say they didn't tonight. And that's what I'm saying. That's what's so fascinating about this is was the story leaked for a specific purpose? You know, like you're going to tell me you, you don't find it coincidental, you or Ray, that the fact that they find a way to get a win like this when their second overall pick didn't play the last three quarters, they're able to beat a really good Bulls team. Maybe the fact that this gets leaked, the guys see it and they're like, look, we're not ready for Silas to leave yet. Like maybe it is time to put our best foot forward. Maybe the coaching staff sees that type of story and they say, you know, we got to do better. We got to be better as a coaching staff. You saw that tonight. You saw the adjustments. You saw no Tice. You saw more balanced minutes for guys across the board. Daniel House actually hit his shots. And at the end of the day, the last thing I'll say on it for now is you can blame Silas all you want, but are you really going to blame Silas for turning the ball over 20 plus times a game? Can't make, you know, not making your free throws, not being a great three point shooting team. Like these issues that the Rockets have are not squarely on Silas, but he does brunt a fair majority of the blame because he is the head coach. Yeah, Ray, I'm I'm curious to hear your thoughts. I think Mike, Mike, you hit you hit a lot of good points there. But Ray, is there anything that you you'd like to add to that or maybe challenge what Mike said? Yeah, I'm pretty much on the same board um, as Mike. I think it's so, you know, we're looking at Silas and we're looking at their record and saying like he has to be the issue because they're struggling. And I think that's a thing that's unfairly put on head coaches because there's only so much that a coach can do. Like. Um, example like you guys you two can both show me how to do something something random but then it's on me to be able to perform that task after and if I can't then maybe it's a reflection on you guys but that doesn't necessarily mean that it has to be a reflection on you guys so um, I think you know there are times when they look stagnant and there are times that they look stationary and there are times when the rotation isn't great but I also think that it's hard to find a great rotation when you have a team that has a bunch of guys that have struggled like most most of the nights when they've had a loss, um, outside of Sangoon, who's been pretty positive in almost every game that they've played, they've just had a bunch of guys that struggled. And when you have guys that are struggling, there's not much that a head coach can do. Like, yeah, there's ways to get guys in scoring opportunities, but then it's like, are those, play- are those players buying into the system? Are they making the cuts that they're supposed to? Are they being lazy? Are they playing team basketball? And so I think it a lot of times it comes down to so much more than just coaching. And it's so easy to blame coaching. But um, I do think that I also agree that a leak would be really troubling because there's one or two ways that you could respond to a report like that. You can go out and have a performance like tonight where it's just they look really passionate. And I'll be really interested to see the press conference and see the quotes and see if they're mentioning Silas and saying, like, we – saw the reports and we wanted to play hard for them and stuff like that. But it could go that way or the team could just – because it's a young team, so you don't necessarily know how it's going to go. And so they can come out and lose by 50 and because you just don't know what a young team So I think that's the issue with leaks. They're a big distraction. It might have benefited them tonight because they look like they played with a lot more fire. But, yeah, Houston has to figure out because it's not only – unfair to their team to be having those distractions come out of their front office but it's unfair to Silas because he has a game or this morning he woke up with a game that he had to plan for that he had to prepare for and he's hearing on the side that he could be let go so 
yeah, those are my thoughts on that. Yeah, I think the question that I guess we've been posing over the last couple of episodes and, and really over the last couple of weeks on in, in Red Nation is, you know, whether Silas should be fired or not. And I think that, you know, that's, you know, a question that I'm still going to say no. Um, simply because I think when, when a team is bad, you either point the finger at the players or you point the finger at the coach. And it's really hard to point a finger at the players that are all rookies and just got here and can't leave because they're, they have a contract and all of that. So it's a lot easier to say goodbye to the coach than it is to rookies. So that's why I think Silas is kind of taking, um, is kind of being the scapegoat here. Um, but there are a lot of things that are contributing to the poor start to the season. And I think Silas is part of that, but I don't think he is all of that. And if you think about it, like, let's say they did fire Silas. Let's say they lost tonight in some alternate universe and they fired Silas on Thanksgiving day and how, you know, if they did that, that would have been such a, Oh, that would have been worse than when they fired David Fisdale in New York. Like they, they did him so dirty in New York. Um, but then again, like, you know, a coach in the NBA is just like, it's just not a fair profession and it's not fair for uh, anybody, any coach in any sport, but, um, and especially for a guy that's as nice as Steven Silas is, you know, you can really tell. And I think maybe Mike is right. You know, maybe they definitely read the report today and, and saw kind of where it is. And maybe they did play a little bit harder for Steven Silas tonight because of that report. Maybe it was the fire in the ass that this team needed. Um, but at the same time, there, there are a lot of things that are pointing towards why this team has been so bad. And I think a lot of it can be contributed to the fact that they are still really young and they are still, um, you know, kind of making those mistakes. But I, I read an article from Nikias Duncan today, who's one of my favorite NBA writers out there uh, from any publication, uh, you know, local, national, anything like that. Um, and he wrote as like a, why are the Rockets having problems? And he pointed out that the Rockets have like, I think 80% of their shots that are either, uh, you know, like right under the rim or three point shots. And, you know, those, as we have come to know over the last several years for the Rockets, those are the shots that they value the most. And, and there's a reason why you get that, you know, you get most value from a three point shot in terms of points that are added to your team's score, or you get as close to the basket to get your two pointer. And they take 80% of their shots at one of those two locations. And they try to get open shots for these guys. And they haven't been hitting them very often this season. And last season, that was an issue too. They were like, I think the worst three-point shooting team in the league. And I'm sure this season, they're probably closer to the bottom of the league, if not at the very bottom. But tonight, you look at tonight, um, they went 17 of 36 from three. That is why they won tonight. And they, they, those shots that they had been missing for game after game after game, they finally began to fall tonight. And I think that the, the Rockets have gone so far away from the mean that you're eventually going to see a progression or a regression to the mean. I don't know if, I guess, would it be progression because they're coming from a lower place or like, I don't even know, but they're getting closer to the average. Because so far they've been below average, but eventually when you take enough shots, they do fall. And I think tonight was one of those examples where they took enough shots and they eventually started to fall. So I think when you get into these games moving forward, I'm not sure if they're going to have like these great scoring nights every night. Hopefully they do get a couple more of these, but um, I don't think it's necessarily going to take 
um, you know, monster, monster shooting nights from either team. Cause I mean, you look at the bulls, the bulls had a great scoring night too. Um, like they went 15 and 35 from three rockets, 17 and 36, uh, bulls shot 46% from the field rocket shot 50% from the field. They took smart shots tonight and those shots have been there over the last couple of games, but it's, it's often, um, it's often blinded by and like overshadowed by the turnovers and um, you know, the, the silly passes and the missed free throws. I think those things, the negatives are overshadowing the positives and the good shots they get. Um, and tonight I think everything started to click, but as you mentioned earlier, Mike, 21 turnovers and they still got it done. This team has a lot of work to do still. And to know that they didn't even play their best basketball tonight and they were still able to get a win makes me really hopeful for the rest of the season. And, and hopefully with this favorable schedule here and a couple home games that they can get in, maybe they'll be able to put some wins and look, Mike, I said it a couple weeks ago. If they win on Saturday, you owe me a lunch. I said uh, two, ga- two games in a row. I'm going to say it all the time until we get to two wins in a row. I got you. And I think it's also important to note to note on the Silas thing. It took a lot for him to bench Tice because you, we all know how much he likes playing Daniel Tice. Yeah. That's a ballsy move. And I think that's all we've wanted is him showing his ability to adapt. And that's what he did tonight. And I think the Rockets may have a real problem Moving forward, because, you know, you've got a guy making $41 million who you're not playing. If you're going to bench Tice, basically, that's another $8 million you're paying in salary. That's nearly $50 million of your payroll that you're not playing on a nightly basis. And if this team can start to succeed and play like I think that they can, it's going to be a very interesting dynamic. I will say, I'll go ahead and put it out there now, that heading into next season, Steven Silas will not be the coach of this team. That's an interesting take. I think I think when it comes to Steven Silas, I think firing him before the end of the season is very premature. I think they have to give him the end of the season. And look, if the team wins 20 games, I do think that is a fireable offense. Um, but I do think that Silas is going to be important for this team because I think what we're seeing so far is we've seen positive notes from Jalen Green and we've seen positive notes from Alperin Schengen. And I think as long as those two continue to get better, I'm good with I'm good with how this team is. I don't care if they go two and eighty. I mean, I'd like to see them win a couple more than just two games. But um, you know, I think my idea of this team moving forward is it's going to be Jalen Green, Alperin Shengun, and whoever they draft at the top of this year's draft as their big three moving forward, and then everyone else will is a complimentary piece to that foundational uh, threesome, whether they go after Paolo or Chet or whoever, I think they need to get a guy that fits well next to Shengun and have them work with uh, Jay Sean Tate. Or not, not, well, not Jay Sean Tate, but Jalen Green, and then have guys like Jay Sean Tate, guys like KJ Martin, Usman Garuba, um, and get those guys to complement those three. And I think I think that is kind of the idea that we had at the beginning of the season. And that is what will be able to – and I think that that core, along with those ancillary pieces, 
that is starting to show the semblance of like a real basketball team that could hopefully contend in the NBA someday. Yeah, I think their biggest the biggest measuring point for Silas when the season comes to an end should be development. And because, you know, if they struggle, then obviously they're going to take a hard look at him and see if maybe there's another coach in that's experienced with young players and helping them come along in the NBA. But I think if the young players are looking a lot better than they've looked to start the year, not saying that they've looked bad, they've had um, a lot of moments where it's just been really positive. But I think if they're looking just more comfortable in the NBA, if they're looking a lot better, if everything's looking a lot more smooth. And I think it'd be tough to let them go. Would I be surprised though? No, because that's sports. So when you say that Silas won't be back as a head coach next year, in my head, there's not really like a, oh, he's wrong or, oh, he's right. I think it's just, you know, time will tell. But with sports, it's it's just, you know, (laughs) it wouldn't be too surprising because a lot of it's win-based. But for me personally, I guess I'm looking at development and if players are not developing the way they are or the way they want them to then i think that's going to be a huge red flag in the red and i can't talk <laughs> a huge red flag in the front office because then all of a sudden you lost all these games and your young guys aren't getting better and so the rebuild's looking a little iffy so yeah i think that's what they'll be looking for most it just, seems like these guys well, really like silas like if they are going to fire silas they better have a better Uh, a better replacement and they need to know who that replacement is going into it. I think personally, well, I know, I know who it is. And there's one guy I would fire Silas for who Sam Cassell. Okay. I mean, and here's the thing, right? I don't, I don't hate that. I don't hate that. You've got, you've got a guy who owns the team who is tired of losing. The story comes out today for you, you can decipher what reason it is. You know, whether it's a, a, you know, a leak made on purpose or, you know, whatever. Tillman hates losing. He didn't buy this team to lose. You've got a guy who just moved into the front office from the broadcasting booth and Matt Bullard, who played with Sam Cassell. That's important to note. And you've got a guy in Raphael Stone who's been a lifer in this organization that knows what Sam Cassell means to this organization. And Cassell is also, you can look at this and say, look, Silas has been here for two years and he's helped develop these guys. They now need the next coach to come in and move this team along that much quicker. Yeah, I think so. That's the guy for me. And that would be a home run hire. I would love that hire. I I see where you're coming from, Mike. Um, But I think when it comes to who the next guy would be, I think Silas needs to be given this full season for sure. Um, And then, Next season, I think. Look, I think if there's if they if they declare that there's not enough uh, growth within this team, then they move on from everybody. I can understand that, but I do think that Silas become like they're going to like next year's goal. I don't think is going to be to contend. So I think that they would be. And look, you also got to keep in mind too, Stephen Silas is a four-year contract. As long and and he's already he's only a year into that right now. This is his second year. So if you pay him four years, even if you fire him after year two or year three, you got to pay him four years. So yeah. I think that's also part of it too. And and look, like that's what that's the thing is if you fire him, you better have 
a guy that you want instead of him. Kind of like how Minnesota last year, when they fired Ryan Saunders, they knew who their guy was immediately. They they went to Chris Finch immediately, like as soon as it happened. They said, Chris Finch, you're going to be the new head coach. So like they knew that that was the direction that they were going to go in. And so I would hope that if the Rockets are going to, you know, fire Silas, that they have a contingency plan in place that they know is going to be better than what it is. Like, cause they can't take another gamble on another coach. Um, they can't take another gamble. Like that's the only thing about Sam Cassell that worries me is that he's a first time head coach. And I don't know if he's necessarily the guy that is going to push this team to the next level. Once the, once the goal is no longer to rebuild, then you start, you know, putting Silas on the pedestal and see if he's really going to be the guy moving forward. And I don't know if they're necessarily going to be at that point until 2023-24. So not not this season, not next season, but the season after that. When Jalen Green is in year three, Alperin Shangun is in year three, whoever you draft at the top of the draft next year is in year two. I think those guys, like that is the year when you really start thinking about okay, let's start making a push to the playoffs for sure. And I think next year there's a chance that they might get there if everything goes right. And if you do that, then Steven Silas should get a lot of credit for that. Um, and maybe he is the guy moving forward. Who knows? But I think as of right now, they look, they're looking at this team. Steven Silas is the guy for this year. They'll evaluate him at the end of the year and then move forward. But I don't want to keep you guys too long. It is it is a holiday uh, week weekend. It's really hard to tell when it's in the middle of the week like this, but um, okay, let's, let's play a quick game, quick Thanksgiving game before we go. Um, you gotta, you gotta start one Thanksgiving item. You gotta bench one sitting item and you gotta cut one Thanksgiving item, send it oh, far away from the table, throw it in the trash can. So um, Ray, I'm going to start with you, brother. What, what is your start bench cut for Thanksgiving item? Ooh, this is see the easy one would be that you start macaroni, but honestly, I love ham so much, and I have ham so rarely. Like it really is only on Thanksgiving, maybe Christmas. So I start ham because not only is it really good, but it lasts super. It lasts like an awfully long time. Like I don't know why it sticks around so long in the fridge, but so I start ham, I bench macaroni and cheese, unfortunately, and I cut, what? I cut probably any. Pie. I don't really like pie. I've never understood the hype around it. I mean, you know, I mean, there's some that are good, but yeah, I'm I'm good without pie. Like if you came up to me and offered me a pie, I'd probably say, ah, oh, it's okay. So yeah, pie got to go. See, you're you're talking to the two Jews, so of course we're not going to start ham. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> uh, Mike, have you ever seen ham at uh, Thanksgiving dinner? No, never uh, in my life. I mean, no. I know it's, I know it's very popular, but when you're you, when you live in a Jewish household, it's really really unlikely that you see the ham at the household. So I'm glad that you included it, Ray, and you you included it in this thing. But Mike, I I heard that you did not like that that mac and cheese uh, hit that that Ray took. So uh, yeah, that's that's a terrible take by Ray. Um, I mean, I still I still <laughs> I still I still love them though, but that that's god awful. Um. <laughs> It just lasts for short. Like, I want to be able to have leftovers just on, like, the first night. No. No, no. If it's made right, you can have it for at least two days. Um, No, man, you got to start turkey. Like, you got to start it. You got to start where this all came from. All right. A delicious, moist turkey. 
I, it doesn't get any better than that. Uh, bench cranberry sauce, most overrated side dish on the table. It's disgusting. I don't get what it goes on. I don't get what you put it on. Throw it in the garbage. Um, cut, uh, stuffing again, mo- second most overrated dish in my opinion. It doesn't go good with anything. It's, it's, a, it's dry. It's crap. So that's my thing. Actually, I agree with the stuffing and the cranberry sauce, but yeah. stuffing. And you can actually throw out the pies too. So I'm with you, right? Yeah, pies are disgusting. Like, we're, we're, okay. Stuffing. That doesn't even sound good. Yeah, I don't like the stuffing and the cranberry sauce. Nah, fam. Like, I'm out. All right. I'm going to start sweet potatoes. I love me Ooh. sweet potatoes. Especially with, with marshmallows? marshmallows on the top. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sweet potatoes, you're starting. Get in the game. You're in. Um, right. Inch. This is this one's tough. Um, but I'm not a big fan of pie. I'm really not. Like it, it has to be a very special pie in order in order for me to like really like take a bite. So I'm a bench pie. And then what are we gonna cut? You know what? It, it's really difficult for me to like think of something to cut. Except this is like this is gonna be a really bad take. I know I know one of you is gonna be really mad at me, but. Um, we are benching turkey. We are cutting turkey. We are sending turkey away. We are kicking turkey out. End turkey the show. Is end going. the show. Yeah, end the show. And, and you know what? And you know what? Wrap we're sending mac and cheese to the Hall of Fame. All right. Well, that uh, Mike told me what, to end the show. So wait, 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 wait. So wait, hold on, hold on. Before, what is your protein then? If you don't like ham and you don't do turkey, what are you doing? Mike, it's Thanksgiving. We don't need turkey. We don't need protein. Excuse me. It is about the carbs, the starches, the carbs, the everything. Wow. It is the one day where that is socially acceptable. So what are you doing? You're just having sides? Mac and cheese is the is the star. Wow. Mac and cheese is not a side to me. Mac and cheese is the main course. Oh my god. All right. I can do without turkey. It's turkey like you just eat for too long. Like Okay. It's, it's not, okay. This, it has to be it has to like I think if it's the thing about turkey is it's really hard to make like moist like like how mike mentioned it and like it's really easy to make it dry and i think that i've had it too many times where it's just dry and it it just kind of turned me off from it so that's why i'm cutting it i'm sending it down to the g league and you know they can do whatever they're going down to the valley and you know maybe they can be enjoyed by someone down in the g league but i think this is a good place to park the rocket ship for now uh happy thanksgiving to those who celebrate here in the united states and uh to our listeners uh around the world happy thursday um so thank you guys for tuning into this episode of the dream take be sure to follow us on twitter at the dream take and at dream shake sbn you can also head to our facebook page give us a like over there and you can also head to our website at dreamshake.com from all things houston rockets on espionation.com we'll be back saturday for another new episode of the dream take uh hopefully we'll make it two in a row mike can owe me the lunch that I so righteously deserve and we can get another win for the Rockets. Um, quick thoughts heading into Saturday against the Hornets. Uh, Ray, we'll start you. Um, let the shooters shoot and give them the spacing that they require. I think Armani Brooks and Garrison Matthews, we talked about them a bunch today. They need to play heavy minutes and they need to be put in positions where they're able to just run off screens, catch the ball and shoot because that's when the Rockets are at their best. Mike, quick thoughts on on Hornets on Saturday. Uh, I firmly believe if the Rockets are able to score more points than the Hornets in the first four quarters, the Rockets can win the game. So, um, big if true. 
Uh, massive if true. No, massive if true. Yeah, play play with the same energy that they played with tonight. Uh, show confidence in each other on the court, and I think they'll be just fine. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna go with um, Jay Sean Tate needs to be that defensive anchor. I think he did a decent job tonight. I wish we could have seen a little bit more from him. Um, maybe we can hopefully see that on Saturday. But again, please follow my co-pilots on Twitter. Uh, we'll start with Raymond Lucas at at Raymond Lucas Jr. And you can follow Michael Brown at BSW Podcast underscore MB. You can follow me on uh, on Twitter at Jeremy Brenner. That's J-E-R-E-M-Y-B-R-E-N-E-R. Thank you so much to our live audience here on Spotify Green Room. And thank you to everyone who downloads our podcast. Be sure to download the podcast wherever you get your podcast. Thank you guys so much for tuning in to this special episode of The Dream Take. And until next time, go Rockets.